now, Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Eat it. Eat it. Eat the mic. Mike's good. Or Matt's favorite food. Uh, mm. Eat it again. Eat it. I'm eating it. Pretty Run close. Up. Run on Yeah, I'd bring it down more. <clears throat> there we go. Check, okay. check. One, two. All right. Blah, blah. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McGlattery. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Hey, no bowel movement 3000 this no. this week? No, no. Never using it again? Did you no, put, I'm totally going to use it again. Did you put it in a pot of boiling water? Not yet. Yeah. I've, that, I've boiled another mic. <laughs> so that's that's a thing that's actually microwave happened. Microwave mic? I put a, I put a, my little omni mic, omni binaurally mics, like right on top of a kettle boiling. Yeah, I recall. I've never heard the recording. I haven't heard the recording yet, though. Yeah, it's... It's not as impressive as it sounds like it should be. Like it just kind of like is like, hey, it's boiling, it's boiling. And now I'm really quiet. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah. We'll have to fix that in post. Uh, All right. So um, we're back. It's July. We're here. It's good. Uh, I'm back on my favorite mic. Which is for people that? Telefunken M82. Telefunken M82. Large diaphragm dynamic. It's nice. I like it. Yeah. It sounds good for me. So what are we going to talk about? We didn't really discuss it as much as I'm having. <laughs> I'm, having I'm having a crazy week. Uh, uh, so am I. I was just thinking, I'm going through, I had to put together a uh, test package. That was kind of interesting. Hmm. That a, a few people are working on right now because yep. I need another sound designer. Um, oh, you're making a test package I'm making for, for other people. people. Ah. I'm doing a hiring thing, Interesting. which I've never done before. Yeah, and I mean, I've talked to a few people about good. I've I have hired people before. Yeah, I have done test packages before, but this is yeah. the but they, those were always sort of targeted. Yeah. this one this one was like, hey, Vancouver, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I need someone. Um, so I've got a few people I, that have replied. I've got a few test packages I saw, going out. I saw you put out the call for people. Mm-hmm. Um, have to say, not going to name any names because I, I couldn't even name them if I wanted to. I right. can't remember them. But you were like, hey, I'm looking for sound effects, no music. Send me a reel with sound effects and no music. One of the first posts was sound effects and music. And I was just yeah, shaking, I think several were. shaking uh, my head. A few people did send just like... Reels. People sent me what they had. Yeah, which I mean is forgivable, because um, it's not like I'm but, not offering the most desired position in the world. I just no. I just want like, someone to do some stuff. Read the instructions. That's all. I'm kind of like that's my point. Like you were like, yeah, hey, that's a give me one. this, and people didn't give you that. We could we could definitely lay that down as a broadband rule. Not something that went horribly awry for me this no. time. But I have a really good example. Yeah is um, when I was entering that contest to go to VFS, right? Uh, whatever, four years ago, Yeah, they have obviously done this type of stuff before. Yeah. And so they had very, they had a strict, a bunch of strict rules mm-hmm. that needed to be followed in order to even enter the contest. So I talked to the marketing guy after the contest was over. Yeah. And he was like, okay, so first of all, the rules were... There was a naming format that had to be followed. Yep. There was a genre that had to be followed. Uh-huh. Um, and 
It had to be a minute 20 long. Okay. It had to be new material. You couldn't be just throwing old stuff at it, which yeah. is they picked really abstract concepts. So yeah. you it would have been really hard be to able to. Yeah. Like, if you had something that <laughs> fit that, like fit what? that, it would be very bizarre. And uh, so I was watching the entries coming come in like after I had submitted my own, mm-hmm. and nobody was following. There was like 85% of people were not even paying any attention to those rules. Yeah. They were just like, Here's a 50-minute DJ set. <laughs> there were many of those. There were many people being like, yeah, I want a scholarship. Yeah, I want a scholarship to VFS. Here's my DJ set on SoundCloud. Oh. Uh, so, and then I talked to the marketing guy that was like in, uh, that was put that put the whole contest together. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, they disqualified like, Almost ninety percent of the like the first yeah, round, yeah. Wow. the first round of of applications were disqualified like yeah. right off the bat. So it seems like it, I I get how it can seem like to people that oh it's just a small thing. Mm-hmm. Oh I didn't like oh it's just well it's just the reel I had handy. Uh, I didn't quite name it right. What it, like whatever the rules of a contest or a submission or whatever mm-hmm. like it might not seem like a big deal, but. Like you're saying, VFS just went, you didn't follow the rules, you're out. Well, that and, was like, part, they failed part of the test. Yeah, and right? and that's where it is. If 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 I ask for something to be sent to me, like here's, here's how I want it, mm-hmm. and you don't do that, my first instinct is you can't follow instructions and you have no attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to think of you. Like I've already formed that, like, well, you have no attention to detail. What are you going to do in a day-to-day work then? Yeah. Like you you... You get judged on all of these things. Like this, you might not save me time. Yeah. And for me, I actually, when I'm hiring, I've kind of made a conscious decision that I have to hire people that have better attention to detail than me because mm. mine's kind of shitty. <laughs> and we can't right. have, like, we can't have pile two on the shitty, bo- yeah. <laughs> two people with shitty attention to detail <laughs> letting, like, sloppy stuff go through. I yeah. actually need a better check in front of me before it even gets to me. Yeah. So, so yeah, you might not these think these things are a big deal, but yeah, pay attention to detail. Pay attention to detail, and so that's part of like the actual test. Yeah, I still, I've still had a couple more come in. Um, so, but what I did is be- mm-hmm. because before I'd put together very specific tests. Yeah, and I think I just got lazy, so I would put together a, a fantasy test, and then mm-hmm. because that's what I hand on hand, and had someone to do that, they knock it out of the park. And then I'm like, hey, here's this cartoony game. Yeah. What and do you they, the, just take a crack at this? And then they, they can't really do cartoony stuff. And I'm like, right. oh, well, that was my fault. Yeah. Um, so this one's, it's, but that, but then you start getting this big test package. Right. And you're asking a lot of, a lot of people, which I guess is, can, fill, can also like just breathe into the like, how bad do you want it? But that shouldn't be, yeah. That shouldn't be the factor for how, you know, you shouldn't be like here. Do a whole bunch of work. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it's hard. I think it, the test packages to me get get into a hard territory because um, what do you have available versus what somebody else has available? How much time yeah. do you have? Like, you could be a really great sound designer, mm-hmm. but you're working a full time job at the moment to like make ends meet. You want to break into game audio. You're really good at it. Yeah. But. When somebody goes, hey, here's a test package, I need it in two days, and you're like, well, I'm already booked for, like, two full-time days. I just, like, 
Yeah, well, I can't I, devote him as much time as somebody else, and it doesn't mean that you they don't want it, and that they're yeah, not going to yeah. work hard in the time they've got. But it's just like you just can't. Well, for, so for mine, yeah. I, I was like, you set the deadline, right? And that's a deadline, and I'll hold okay. you, I'll hold you to it. But you can you set it. That's to me. That's actually really fair because like, because it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care whether you can do things fast or not. Yeah, I can. I care whether you get them done when they're supposed to get done. Right, and that's what my clients care about. That's what I care about. Like that, what drives myself crazy about myself yeah. is when I don't get things done on time, but I usually do. Yeah, and that exposes having the having the person set the deadline. Actually, shows can you schedule yourself? Like, yeah. do you are you aware of how long something should take you? Yeah, which is cool. Like that's a good thing to expose in that. That's sort of one thing. of the hardest things to do. Yeah, I think there are a I, lot. There are a lot of us in this industry oh. that are just so optimistic. I and we think we're so fast. Hate, hate whenever I have to put a deadline on stuff. I'm yeah. just like I freak out. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I always. I think I could do everything at once. Yeah, and I. I know everybody that works for me now <laughs> thinks the same thing, <laughs> and we all just have to be like, no, really. How long is this going to take? Yeah. Okay, so set your own deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I think it can also speak to the real. That you want to put together. Yeah. For instance, like if I'd seen a reel that covered a wide variety of things, mm-hmm. I'd be feeling a lot like I might not feel the need to get someone to do a test package. Yeah, yeah. But none of the reels I saw, so I wanted fantasy, mm-hmm. cartoony, mm-hmm. voiceover, yep. um, I, nuance. Yeah, that's a big thing for our company. Is we're working on a few like Fossil Echo, Night in the Woods. Yeah, very very nuanced, like touchy. Mm-hmm. Like the aesthetic is like kind of razor thin. Like yeah. you have to be able to nail this. Very hard to grasp, but the aesthetic. <laughs> so that one's kind of like the tricky art one. Yeah. Um, and I think that was it. Yeah, just the four things. So I want to sort of bring that around to general dental reels yeah. of people. Um, I think this is this kind of speaks to if you want a broad job, i.e. A, a freelancer that can nail any gig mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? You need a broad demo reel to yeah. show that you can do all of those, like you're saying, fantasy and cartoony and like do all those things. If you're like, I want to work on Mass Effect 37. Yeah. I want to work on... Forza 24, you know, whatever it is, then you'd be like, I make a sci-fi reel. I make yeah. a car reel. Yeah. Like, then you can make a really pointed reel to be like, this is all about getting me to, like, that's what I want to do. I want to do sci-fi stuff, so I made just a sci-fi reel. Or yeah. I want to work for Blizzard on Warcraft 37, and, you know, I made a f- just fantasy reel. Well, and you should have multiple reels. I, I When I yep. was first starting out, I had a... Linear commercial sound effects reel. Mm-hmm. I had a game audio sound effects reel, and these I would just kind of use internally. Yeah, um, I had a linear composition reel. Mm-hmm. I think that's all I had, but yeah. still, it was like I catered the reel to yeah, the client, yeah. um, depending on the job I wanted. But I was also very, very eager. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. All right. So you covered a lot of areas. You let the people set their own deadlines. Let them set their own deadlines. I'm not saying I've done any of this right yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what you did. This is 
We'll see how it all goes. Right. See if anyone gets super mad at me or not. <laughs> um, so set the own deadlines, and uh, now I'm waiting. Yeah. So we'll see what happens when things come in. Did you um, provide any sound effects? I provided uh, reference sound effects uh-huh. for certain styles. I provided instruction sheets Okay. with very, very uh, clear instructions, I think, yeah. um, on what my delivery expectations were. That's cool. But I also... I also left some things out because I wanted to know what people's knowledge bases yep. were. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not a, I'm not going to explain yeah what a mono file is, you know. <laughs> um you better, you better get that. Yeah, there are some things and there and there are going to be things I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um so whoever's listening to the podcast has a little cheat sheet, I guess. Yep. Just making sure region, like files are faded, no ticks pops. Yeah, yeah. Technical just the technical. Just the technical stuff should kind yeah. of be under control. Um, I like, uh, I like the thought of test reels that include sound effects packages with them so that it mm-hmm. eliminates the, well, how much have you spent on libraries? Yeah. Right? Like when you're like, everybody starts point. from this 50 sounds and yeah. I want to see how creative you get with just this. Right, right. And, and not like, oh, well, yeah, right, awesome. You bought, like, the entire Boom library and the entire Recorders library and this other guy. Or you didn't. Didn't, and he's trying to, like, make gun sounds from pots and pans because. Yeah, I mean, I could be working with people that have acquired libraries illegally, too. Mm-hmm. So that, that, could be a, that, that could be a wrench in the works if yep. I'm like, by the way, everything has to be, everything you use has to be legal. Yeah. And they're like, ooh, <laughs> I actually don't have any of that. Yeah, um, I, I just used that for my demo. Yeah, well, that might just end up costing me a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> Guess we're getting more multi licenses. Yeah. Speaking of multi licenses, bumped up uh, M and I to his and Roar. Yeah, full thing. Nice. Thirty six libraries. That's awesome. Wow. Pretty pretty excited about That's that. Cool. Tim's great. Yeah. Very gracious email. He's just happy to see a, a small company getting going. So that was awesome. cool. And uh, gonna get airborne, airborne as well. Yeah, we've got we got We're a multi, the whole thing. We got the whole thing for for here at Clay for yeah. our multi site license um, mm-hmm. from Airborne. Paul was great. He was, he was super awesome to deal yeah. with. And I got a few recordists, but they're yeah. a little more expensive, understandably expensive recording. Uh, we also picked up some of the Echo Collective stuff. Oh right, with, okay, with Rene down in down in Dallas. Yeah, um, really nice thing if you are a small company. Looking at site licenses, uh, they their default is a three site license. When you just get their thing, it's for three people. Because he was, he, I talked to him and he's like, I just don't want to mess around with like super small things like that. Like, right, right, right. Here you go. That's pretty. So nice. we got it, and we didn't have to like barter for a multi site license or mm-hmm, deal with mm-hmm. anything special. It was just like, oh, we've got three people, done. Um, with uh, for the recordist, I accidentally used my my multi license code. Again, on bundles, bundles already have a discount. Right. And then I used it again, and Frank had to email and be like, uh, <laughs> that, no, <laughs> that doesn't work like that. I almost wanted to do it again. I was like, oh, okay, fine, invoice me for the difference. Yeah. And I wanted to use my bundle of code again on the difference, <laughs> on the just difference. to like drive him insane. <laughs> Never sell me again. Just constantly using yeah. it on everything. Yeah, it can literally go forever. It's <laughs> half it and half it and half it. Oh. Um, so something that happened here lately was Audio Bash 2.0. Oh yeah, we put on the. Uh, I'm tired of whatever I'm calling it. it's a conference. 
Screw it's it. A conference. It's yeah. a half. It's a half day conference. We do talks. Sure and it is. Stuff. So yeah, um, this is the second time we did it. It's the meetup between the Vancouver scene and the Seattle scene, and we get together in Bellingham and we do a half day worth of talks. It was awesome. We did our second one. We had like Super great. Uh, more than forty people show up again. Yeah. So we're going to continue to do it every six months. So come to the Pacific Northwest again in January. I think is. Right, January. We'll do the next one. Yeah, I guess we we haven't arranged a evening of crushed dreams again yet. Nope, oh, we'd have to do that too. in a hurry. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Yeah, um, we do have a cool. Miguel has organized a very, very cool talk for the Vancouver. Yep. Thing for April fourth with Miguel Nunez. It's like a really cool. experienced re-recording mixer in town. So audio bash, we had. I've already forgotten. We had scientific Andy. Yeah, talk about oxen free. Yeah, which was really cool. Super cool. The specifically the ARG stuff. I think we kind of he, he seemed to go deeper into the ARG stuff. Yeah, he has he has a really like analog tactile mm-hmm. way of creating stuff. He like I I feel like seeing his processes. There's a lot of time that it's going to take. Be damned. I'm just gonna do it this way because it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff he does with, you know, recorders and tape machines and wire recorders and, like, cool stuff. And he did, yeah, they did this super cool ARG um, that he headed up a lot of, which is cool. Being an indie audio guy, we always seem to get to take on these other tasks as well as, like, not just doing audio, which is always yeah. cool. So um, so he got to lead up this ARG and make— and He basically designed the game. And yeah. It had the ARG, and it had audio elements. So uh-huh. that, that's pretty cool. Almost a and they had lots of stuff changing. They would change files that existed online so the people would have to go back and listen to them again and decode things and made this cool army box with a, a music box in it that the people that eventually found it, like it had a music box version of the the songs from yeah, the game. Yeah, hand crank piano roll music box, like paper piano roll. Yeah, it was really cool. Very cool. Who else did we have? Jeremy Lim. Yep. Talk about getting his music. Stolen and re-uploaded through Which distributors is crazy. with a different name. Yeah, not not his music didn't get pirated. Not it pirated. wasn't just like oh, people are downloading his stuff for free. It's somebody took his music, slapped a new name on it, and distributed it through sales portals as their own stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so he yeah he went through all the processes of how that happened and what he did and gave a bunch of tips. Um, so. All of the talks from Audio Bash will be online um, at some point. So look that up when it when it is. Because uh, there's some great stuff that if you're a composer, if you do a video game composer, somebody might be doing this to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm afraid don't... to check, man. Because <laughs> it sounds like such a nightmare to deal with. Yeah. I mean, it happens to Smarter every day all the time. People right. are constantly re-uploading stuff to Facebook, especially Facebook. Facebook does, doesn't care. Um. And then we had Scott Coburn. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. Engineer in Seattle talk about psychoacoustics, which was really great. Uh, Vadim uh, talked about uh, the COD engine. Oh, yeah. That audio, was cool. audio for cool Call of Duty. Real, real technical side of yeah. things, of how they're. Um, it was neat because. Um, Basically, we're indie guys, and mm-hmm. you know, at best, we get to use middleware. Mm-hmm. And here was a kind of real like quick dive into 
what a custom AAA like audio engine system, yeah, that yeah. is designed just for them, just exactly for what they need. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool, and how it integrated into to, into the main game engines and stuff. Like it was, it was a really powerful, powerful yeah. tool. It's a pretty tough tool. Um, so that was cool. Yeah, and then we had a modular synth panel uh, with yourself, Robbie, and- Elias, and Chris. So, me, Robbie, and Chris. Cool uh, uh, analog synth panel just to get everybody's wallets itchy. Yeah, and uh, John moderated it. Yeah, John Bash. So, that was cool. It was neat, too, because uh, it felt like me and Chris were more on the like starter end of the scale, mm-hmm. and Robbie is like firmly established in, like, I've got a wall of stuff. He did that almost overnight, though. Yeah. I remember when it, it was just on Facebook. He's like, well, I bought this. And it was just like... Wham! Analog <laughs> synthesis now. That was so funny. Um, so it was cool. And we talked a bunch about modular and just regular analog synthesis, like how you can get into it and mm-hmm. what its uses are and stuff like that. Well, and for the for the audio bash itself, they wheeled out a couple of the universities' huge modular synth walls. Yeah, that, that was are pro- cool. they're probably basically priceless now. Yeah, there like, there was a um, oh, I'm bad. I don't remember. An AMS something mm-hmm. and an EMU something. Yeah. I think they were. They're like pre, pre-Eurorack. pre Oh, they're, they're 70s modulars yeah. that like I had never heard of either of them. Yeah. I had heard of them. Yeah. I had heard of them. I can't remember what they were, <laughs> but I have been purposefully trying to stay out of those waters. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was super cool. So in between talks and stuff, people could come up and play with them and mm-hmm. – we had him hooked up. That was that was pretty awesome. So, um, from being on the panel, one thing I wanted to talk about for the podcast, uh, since we're kind of loosey goosey on topics today, mm-hmm. uh, is hardware. Hardware, like in the synth kind of realm of of hardware. Okay. Um, so, like modular is hot right now. Mm-hmm. Like Eurorack specifically. Like everybody's into that, and like that is a money pit. Yes. At the best of times. That is a can of worms that only eat more, truffles. More worms. <laughs> it's just the more cans. Just <laughs> 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 so, like, your rack is great. It's awesome. But, yeah, okay, it's a money pit. Um, so, like, some of the things people were asking, because we, like, John moderated the panel, and he had a lot of great questions to feed us, and then we started taking questions from the crowd and everything. And there's kind of this idea of, like, well, why? Yeah. Why your rack? Why, in a broader sense, why hardware hardware synthesis? And everything can be done in a in the computer. Right. Like, we've got tons of amazing soft synths mm-hmm. now. And um, I'm going to paint with some broad strokes. I feel that most of us as sound designers aren't, like analog synth purists were like, no, it sounds better from the real thing, which we're not getting into that argument. Nope. I think most of us just care about like making cool sounds or games and we do all this stuff to it, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Get it from wherever. Um, so for me, the like cool part of hardware is the unpredictability and getting your hands on things. Yes. So it's about plugging a synth, be it a analog, you know, synth, a microbrute, or, you know, an MS-20, or whatever you've got, plugging it into you and just recording its output and just messing with stuff. Yeah. And, like, 
twisting knobs and like just experimenting away while you're in record and just record a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. You know, and it's it's about that tactile getting your hands on stuff. So you're a rack. Sure, that's awesome. And you can get sequencers and like there's a million knobs and it's super cool and it's really expensive. But you can get like tiny little synths for, you know, 40 bucks mm-hmm. that are like actually, you know, the monotrons. Yeah, that's an, a, that's an analog, actual analog synth. It's got knobs that you can twiddle. They're perfect for just like grab that mess with stuff. Yeah, I've been using. I use my mini brute constantly. Yeah, just it's got knobs. You can make it do wild stuff. Yeah, you, so Great. you get you get you can get you can spend a couple hundred dollars. You can spend forty dollars, right? Like there's all kinds of things you can spend thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. but you don't need to. You can spend a couple hundred bucks and get like. A mini brute or a micro brute or something like that, or uh, the Roland boutique synths, um, you know, any of these kinds of things, or just get a whole bunch of little stuff, a couple of guitar pedals, and then you've starting to got like things to get your hands on, yeah, and like twiddle, and that's what it's all about. It's that tactile feel. That's what I really love about dealing with that versus a soft synth. Yeah, and I mean, you can take a soft synth and set up all your MIDI CCs. Mm-hmm. And emulate the experience, but you also have to do all that work to get that going, and then you might be bored, but <laughs> you've set up all your CCs. Yeah. Yeah, I've always got a couple of controllers kicking around. I'm like, I should use that more, and I'm like, uh, I can't be bothered to sit yeah. down. Also, let's face it, it's fun to have stuff. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely We might that. just be justifying the fact that it's fun to have stuff. There's nothing um, wrong with having stuff unless we're in you know, communist China from the— 70s or something, but... Sure. So that's always, like, the, like, all right, hardware, not where you start out. Like, if you're like, hey, I'm brand new to sound design, I'm going to make it in game audio, I'd be like, don't buy hardware. No. Don't buy hardware synth yet. Like, invest them some soft synths, invest them some controllers, like, you're learn their stuff. This is a... But, like, grab, like, a Monotron. Like, that's, like, 40, 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. That is like fun little twiddly thing. There's, there's. I've got a whole bunch of like little weird synths that are super fun to just mess with. I've got little bits. I love yeah. the little bits. They're a blast. No, they don't sound great, but I have used them in stuff professionally. And that's all that matters. Yeah. At the end of the day, all this stuff is like all these little things will give you usable content. Yeah. So and you just need the context in which to use them. So. Yeah. So yeah. Hardware. It's Hard, fun. It's fun. It's, it's fun. fun. <laughs> oh, I had something. Um, okay. This is this is just random episode. That's what I feel like. Randisode. Like, Rand Randisode. <laughs> Randisode number whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to mention uh, it popped up recently. Um, designingsound.org website mm-hmm. has a new kind of sub website to itself called Designing Sound Exchange. Oh. Now there was, I don't know if you remember. There was a website called Social Sound. Yes. I and it remember. was for posting questions. And you posted questions and people answered, you know. It was great. It was super awesome. Uh, it got bought out by another similar website and got folded into it. Right. And when they folded it into it, it became less pro sound people and they like made like regular audio people go to that as well. And it just kind of like the Right just lost its thing. Um, so Sound Design Exchange is trying to bring, is bringing that idea back and is making a site that is very much like Social Sound 
Um, so there's like a bit of upvoting and downvoting, I think, of of answers. More, I think, just upvoting. Right. You're just like, you like, yeah, that was a good answer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still in its infancy, but I believe the people behind it and the community that will grow there will be really good. I've already seen like really good questions and stuff. Um, and I mean, I th- figure if you're going to designing sound, you've, you've got your heart in the right place already. Yeah, and I guess there'll be more... Um Almost philosophical questions, I guess. Because like, it's not going to be wise specific or no, no. Specific, there's there like better places to do that. Uh, there was a question about um, creating ambiences on there. There was some sort of technically stuff, but then there was, you know, like what's what's your dream field recording rig, right? Question on there and stuff. So there's that kind of stuff as well. Um, so that I think is going to be a great. It's already good, and it's just going to like get better the more people use it. Um, so that's the thing you should go check out. Yeah, designing sound exchange. Cool. I wanted I wanted to mention that. Good, we got it in. Yeah. Um. All right. I got nothing else that I really. I wanted to talk about hardware, and we did that. And I wanted to talk about Audio Bash because I'm proud mm-hmm. that we got a second one of those happening. And thanks again to A Shell in the Pit for donut sponsorship. Two years running. Two years running. And Alistair, <laughs> I didn't get to mention it at the at the actual event. Alistair brought wraps and. Fruit and everything. Oh, that was Alistair. Those were delicious. Yeah. So and cranberry. Mm. Thanks, Alistair. After the fact. Um. So that's that. That's everything we wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about anything else you wanted to talk about. Um. Because I got a lot of questions. Yeah. We got we got questions. We're we're good. We could do a half question episode. Yeah. Sure. So if you got if you're if you're talk to your talk, we'll get into let's, questions. We, let's just allow ourselves to go long winded on questions. Yep, because often we don't. I'm I'm willing to be long-winded on questions. You don't say. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. All right, uh, George from Twitter, George Vlad asked, "How do you deal with rubbish placeholder audio that game devs have gotten used to?" Air quotes, and think of as standard. Air quotes. Um, I ask the devs what they like about the sound. The sound, yeah, because the the reason they like it is probably because, like, at its core, if it was produced correctly, mm-hmm. it might be okay. Yeah, you know. So, what do you like about it? And and then we try to evoke the same thing with a higher quality sound. Right. If they just have bad taste. You might just you might just be screwed. <laughs> they might just have bad they, taste. They might just have bad taste and like bad things. Yep. So <laughs> you can just you just have to do what you can. <laughs> this is like working working in games and working in any media yeah. on sound. This is all a negotiation. It's all yeah. about like, you know, we have to we're working together here. So you can't have everything your way, they can't have everything their way. Yeah. Unless you get it in in writing in the contract, which can happen. Right. If, you, could, if have, you say, like, I am the sound supervisor, I make the sound decisions. I have right of last, right of refusal or something. Yeah, like, something like that. You can yeah. get that in writing. Yeah. Um, if they if they trust your taste. Yeah. Like, some, some devs are just like, I don't know anything about sound. I want you to make all the decisions. Yeah. That's fine. I think there's, to me, there's kind of two branches to the question. Mm-hmm. There is the coming onto a game that already has had something happen, like, that already, that already has been devved a bit. Right. Before your involvement. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, stuff is here. Yeah. And then there is starting from scratch, like, what do I do? 
Like, so here, Clay, I'm starting from scratch. I'm not like, nothing exists before me. Mm-hmm. So I don't put anything in the game that I wouldn't ship with. Right. I just draw a line in the sand and we don't, we don't put, I put temp stuff in. Um, I fight a lot to like not put any temp music in. Just because, like, no, let's, like, let's never get used to Well, that anything. can go horribly wrong. I, At EA, right? Yes. Is it you that had that story? I've heard someone else with the same story, I think, or a e- similar story. I'm not telling that story again. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I've told it on the podcast before. Okay. But, yeah, bad bad things happen because bad of Bad things temps. happen if you put copyrighted music in as temp yeah. and you forget they're there. So don't do that. Yeah. Um. So, but it's all about like people getting used to stuff. Mm-hmm. So if it never, if you, if they never get a chance to get used to it, then you've got a better, you're better off. Yeah. So I fight tooth and nail to never put anything in a game that I wouldn't ship with. Um, it's why, why I've ended up as a voice in the games that I have as guards is because I'm like, all right, we got a prototype speech. We need to prototype it on a level that's a shippable quality mm-hmm. so that there is nothing about it that people can go, oh, I have to pretend that it's better than it is. You're like, right. no, this is super good, you know, for a guard. I'm not a great voice actor, but I can do guards. Um, so I make it good enough that we can ship it, and then by the time we get closer to ship, we're like, well, we can just keep using that, and it's an extra guard voice. Yeah, awesome. totally. Um so I make sure that it's like super high quality level, so that mm-hmm. that that's not an issue. There's also the you can always take the approach like you make something new and you know you know they're hooked on it. You can yep. just explain how this works. You, you can just be like, you guys have had this sound for a long time. Yeah. In my professional opinion, this is not a good sound. Yeah. Um, let's try this new one. Just just put it in and leave it there for two weeks. Yeah. Totally. You know? And then see what you think. People always are super resistant to change. Yeah. So anytime, either we'll get into the, like, coming on to a project. Well, I guess we'll move on to, we're on to, so taking on a project that's already got sounds in it. Mm -hmm. That people are used to it and don't like change is, like, probably your number one wall you're up against. Yeah. So, yeah, drawing that line in the sand of, like, I'm not going to change a sound I've changed as soon as you say you don't like it. Mm Mm-hmm. We have to wait two weeks. Yeah. You have to live with it for two weeks, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, that's totally one. The other, like what you're talking about, uh, find out what they like about the sound. If a sound is already in there and you're like, Ugh, I hate this. I'm like, well, what is it that the like, dev likes about it? Do you just hate it because it's like it's poorly recorded or it's, it's a corrupt or aliasing or something is it right. a, is it a great sound with a low quality file? Right. You know. So, yeah. Look but, at look at why you hate the sound too. Yeah. That's a totally. You might cool. hate it for completely technical reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, they're hearing it. They're not hearing the low bit rate. They're yeah. hearing the core. Yeah. The like, thing they like about it. The thrust so, of the sound. So find what they like about it, and then how do you fix what's the wrong things around the mm-hmm. bit they like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, it's get that conversation with the devs yeah. of like, why why is this a problem there's, or not? There's also a little self-analysis, I think, that yeah. has to go into it because, you know, you can't come in like 
the the lion that is entering the new pride that just kills all the existing babies. <laughs> yeah. You know, those were probably, maybe some of those were perfectly good babies. Maybe a few of them were a bit weird. But but at the same time, you have to, you have to like, take a step back yeah. and, and say, because we're artists and we all have egos. Yeah. You have to say to yourself, do I not like this because I didn't do it? Mm-hmm. Or do I not like this because it's objectively bad? Yeah, the the not created here bias. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you just do you not like it just because you didn't? Because you're a bit protective. Yeah, you know of of your work. You yeah, want totally. everything. You want the whole thing to be yours. You don't want to have to have an additional sound designer credit. Yeah, or something. But a, a lot of the time, as well with the with these sounds that the devs are using as temp, mm-hmm. probably copyrighted, and you can just be like, you can't use that <laughs> unless yeah. you want to buy the entire sound ideas library. Right. Um. I think the other thing that's really important is mix issues. Mm-hmm. Mix issues can totally affect what people think of a new sound coming in. Yeah. Um, so I always sort of default to quiet. Something that's too loud is, in my experience, going to get hated. Yeah. Because you're like, ah, oh, what the heck? I was playing the game and I had to throw my headphones across the room. Yeah. Um, but if you come in too quiet... Generally, I find people like, oh, hey, can you turn that up? Like, you just sort of ease them into it. Yeah, it's like, why is our game so quiet? Not like, why is our game so loud? <laughs> <laughs> who, did, who did this? So, uh, yeah. So those are my tips on uh, coming to terms with stuff that's already in there. Answered the shit out of that question. Yeah. Let's do it many more times. All right. John Bash. Famous for famous... The namesake of Audio Bash. What is the most marketable slash desirable skills outside sound design, composition, middleware for a game audio person? Uh, coding, video editing, design, personal management, etc. What else? What are other good skills for an audio person to have? Um, I think it changes with the times. It also yep. changes on the position you're trying to get. Yep. Um, like some, it, and it depends on what the needs are of the employees. I would say broadband right now for game audio specifically. Yeah, probably a bit of coding. Yeah, if you can say I can hook up the sounds as well, or I can make some tools. I think I think that's a like yeah broadband. I think regardless of the position you're trying to get, knowing some coding and scripting, if you're going indie, AAA, whatever, knowing coding and scripting is never bad. Yeah. I can't, I can't see a situation where you were like, oh, really? You know some coding? Oh, yeah, I don't and there think so. is less, I would say there's less competition within the beginner realm for coding. Yeah. Because, you know, sound design and game game music, it's a lot of people that just, you know, have been making beats. Yeah. And uh, want to continue making beats and doing some <laughs> sound design as well. Yeah. And don't really want to learn any of that computery nerdy crap. Yeah. So that... If you can really show that, that shows that you're technic- you're interested in games and and the whole process, right? Yeah. So I would say that's very marketable. Um, I think knowing any other area of game, of game is good. Yeah. Right. T person. Uh, yeah. Be a T person. Put my arms out. Uh, so know a little bit of coding. No, like knowing some art is good, and not just like oh I'm an artist, like that's cool, but mm-hmm. knowing technically like how does art get into a game. Yeah. Right? Like knowing some of that pipeline. The more pipelines that you have an understanding of, I think the better off you can be because the more you can communicate with 
everybody on a team and mm-hmm. know what everybody's doing and how that affects you and how what you're doing affects them and yeah so sort of any any other game area know know some coding know some art know some um design you know like know why mechanics are what they are in games and stuff it's not something that is like I would consider a big skill, but knowing a little, knowing version management is a nice thing to not have to teach. Yes, I still don't know it. Awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a piece of software. There's a lot of software that does that, but mm-hmm. but knowing version control software is something that we don't actually talk about a lot. That is like really quite important. Yeah. Um, to know, and there's some concepts in there that kind of take a little while to wrap your head around. Yes. So. Um, I would say the ones to know are uh, Perforce, SVN, and Git. And I would say from an indie perspective, you flip that for oh, your I priorities. I wasn't talking, yeah. No, yeah, I not wasn't, priority-based. But. Not at all. Um, Perforce is definitely way bigger in AAA. Yeah, I've never touched Perforce professionally. It costs, it costs money. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never used Git. Right. Um, but I've used SVN here at Clay all the time. Yeah. Well, a lot of people hate Git because it doesn't. Uh, a lot of sound people hate Git because it doesn't work well with large files. You have to use an external plugin or something to start actually using large files. Which is a reason that you should know about Git and mm-hmm. know what to do. Because if you join an indie project and they're like, "Hey, we're using Git," you're like, "Oh, by the way, yeah, you need we got to do some stuff." Large file management, I think it's called. You need a thing. Yeah, you don't won't need it right away. But once your sound banks start getting to a certain level, yeah. if you're using Wise or FMOD, then you're going to have to start using this yeah. special thing. So yeah, unless you just you can you can also just keep splitting your banks into smaller and smaller files. But <laughs> don't do you don't want to affect your game architecture. <laughs> um, uh, a little bit. I have always found that audio people uh, need to be Mac people. Mm-hmm. Uh, more often than not, uh, if you have IT, they don't want to deal with your Mac. So uh, right. learning like enough to be your own Mac IT person uh, is right. pretty important. <laughs> that's that's been when I've been at Indie, when I've been at AAA, whatever. It's always been the audio guys have taken care of their own Macs. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then just sort of like anything, anything extra you can bring to the table is always a good thing. Yeah, it's always good. Um, like when I was a freelancer, I, when I didn't have audio work, I would build booths for conventions. Mm-hmm. Now at Clay, I'm one of the guys that builds our booth for packs every year. And mm-hmm. it was like, that was an extra non-audio skill I brought to the table. And they're like, hey, we're going to packs. I'm like, um, I've done this. So yeah. I can take like charge of building the booth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, me and Corey, our community manager, we're the booth guys. We go in and build the booths every year. So yeah. like... Whatever, you, you never know what you can bring to the table. It's all, like, kind of marketable. Yeah, well, I kind of fluked out hiring M. It wasn't by design, but uh, I was... I hired her for her sound skills, and then it turns out she's, like, done video editing and, like, made her own website and stuff, too. Yeah, so, it's I'm great. Like, oh, okay, that's your job now. <laughs> uh, web stuff. I think if you're going to be a freelance, freelance sound person, knowing web stuff is super good. Yeah. Now, it's not so much a marketable thing, Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm going to hire you because you do web stuff as well as audio. It's more that you're going to ma- be able to make yourself a kick-ass website to advertise yourself to people. Yeah, exactly. So our, our goal is to have a new reel by PAX. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm I'm throwing these two questions together because I felt they were they were related. Um, Alex Thomas said, 
ambient layer separation, how many separate layers do you use in middleware slash engine? And then uh, Sean Laval said, tips or best practices for creating custom ambiences or walla from individual assets for battle scenes, sci-fi settings. Hmm. So, in general, ambiences. Ambiences. How does that work? It depends on the game, like everything else. I mean... Totally. Like, one thing that that has been biting us in the ass, or biting me specifically in the ass, that I've had to take specific note of... Yeah. So we've got I've got games like Oclos and Parkitect, mm-hmm. where yes, there is an ambience, but there are also like hundreds of characters on screen at once. Yeah. Tons of stuff going on. So for those, I've got like a wind layer. Yeah. And then there are some birds flying yeah. around. You know, very like one track, one track beds. Yeah. And then the ambience is the game for yeah. Parkitect. Like the ambience is what is happening in the game. So it's all can be considered ambience almost mm-hmm. other than the, that you can see it the and, um the sucker punch guys with the last infamous game mm-hmm. did a really cool there's no uh ambient beds for yeah. the game it's all emitters and one shots in the world that they build up so it's they, kind of the end goal right they built the world of real sort of real pieces which is i think a super great idea and it sounds great yeah um, that's basically what Parkitect is. Other yeah. than the weather, every, everything yeah. else is just in the game. Um, so in general, like you're saying, I totally agree with it. Changes game to game to game. Like every, I haven't done an ambient system the same in any game ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've built sort of systems that I've refined and built better, but it's always like, here's the kind of system I'd like to start with, and then, okay, game is evolving. Now this morphs into this total other thing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, oh, yeah, okay, this is like, oh, wait, there's a problem that that other system didn't have, and oh, now it's procedural. Okay, well, now it's not procedural, so this can be different. And so, you know, you got to play to the strengths of the game. Uh, but I have felt one common thread is I start wide. I start with more layers mm-hmm. and then start to realize I'm chewing up way too many voices for ambiences and start collapsing them down to what is actually effective. Yeah, it makes sense because if you start small, then there's you're probably less likely to add more. Yeah, you're probably totally. you're probably more likely to say like, well, that's done. So so I'll it, split it, might it up. Not be as good as it could be. Yeah, I'll split it up into four or five tracks of mm-hmm. of stuff, and then be like, oh yeah, okay, these two I can really collapse those two together, and oh this yeah. one can collapse together. Yeah. So I've done like four stereo beds all doing stuff. I've done one bed with one shots on top of it as well just depends mm-hmm. um as far as how how to create different custom ambiences creating them yeah what about that part you have to use your imagination <laughs> imagination um you have i to- find that i can get more creative with like sci-fi mm-hmm. and stuff uh, the less, the less nature there is, the more I can start doing crazy stuff, throwing crazy stuff against the wall, and see mm-hmm. what happens. Um, nature is more of the what you what you see, not necessarily what exactly you see in front of you, but what's what's this world, right? Like, is this a desert? Is it a jungle? Yeah. Is it like it's just like more of like this is the area you're in. Okay, what what is there? Yeah, and so and you have to think about. So say you're in a forest, and you're like, okay, what do trees sound like? Nothing. Yeah. But 
say you have a little bit of wind, then you have all these other things you can pull out. So you have you have a force implied on the environment, yeah. and that is interacting with things and making things interact with each other. Mm-hmm. So now you don't just have trees. List, you're not listening to trees growing. You're listening yeah. to trees slowly swaying, the branches touching each other, leaves falling off of the branches, twigs falling off of them. And that's with nothing alive in the scene. Yeah. All of a sudden you have all this depth and 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 like you have big trees, small trees. And there's all the, like in a forest there's all the implied stuff of like you the, not animated, never seen, but there's creatures going through the underbrush. Oh yeah, exactly. So there's little things of like think you know. Yeah, the, like then you can crawling start through life, the, the you know? stuff, and once yeah. you if, as soon as you're allowed to add life, it's just like oh, you got a million things you can add. Yeah. Um, whereas the challenges like the like in the witness where there's nothing alive. Yeah. They had to get really creative with that. I haven't talked to anyone very in depth on it, but I talked to Luca a bit, mm-hmm. and I think we've already brought it up on the podcast before. But he said they were they were doing things like. They'd have a section of the world where there was it was insinuated that life had been there. Yeah. But life was not there that now. So they couldn't have anything recognizable in the ambience as being human. Yeah. But so Luca was taking real like taking Walla tracks mm-hmm. and just washing them out with the verbs so heavily yeah. that they became unrecognizable and that would just kind of change the tone of the area. Yeah. But there would be no there would still be it would still be lifeless. Yeah. So that's that's getting very creative. But that's cool. stuff like making ambiences is so fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh Barney. Barney Ram. Do you think it's more important to have a generalist or specialist skill set in game audio? And does this does this differ in indie and triple A? Yes. Yes, it more emphatically on the does it differ, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, is it important? It, it really, that's really depends on what you want to do. Yep. Um, if you want to, you know, you want to do an indie game, more than likely you're going to have to do all of it. Um, and if, it depends on if you, you too. Wa- if you want to be a specialist, more than likely there's going to be a triple A job that specializes in mm-hmm. that thing more than there's going to be an indie specialist. Um, yeah, I definitely think there's a, an indie triple A split on the generalist specialization yeah. front. Um, you see much more indie people who are sound effects and composers, mm-hmm. you know, than you do in in other places. Yeah. In absolutely. AAA places, I should say. Uh, I, feel, I, think, I feel like some people can specialize and some people can't. I don't think, right. I, can, I, don't think I can specialize. Because usually that requires getting very technical at some point. Yeah. At some point, if, if you're specializing, at some point you're doing math, <laughs> and that kind of is a, that's kind of the bar for me. <laughs> I yeah maybe um, I mean I would consider myself to a certain extent like a bit specialized in an RX dialogue because I had to do so much of it for Power Up way back mm-hmm. way back when like I can yeah take the mouth clicks out of <laughs> out of a line of dialogue so fast. Um. I think it's most important to define what you want. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be a generalist or do you want to be a specialist? And if you want to be a specialist, is there any demand for that at all? Because I have run into people yeah. that specialize in something, but nobody wants it. Right. You know, so like becoming a specialist can be risky. Mm-hmm. It has to be a marketable specialization. Yeah, totally. So that's that. All right, uh, Jack. 
Jack asked, out-of-country recording tips. And by out-of-country, I, I always like, do you mean out-of-the-city or mm-hmm. foreign countries? And he's like, yeah, like Europe, South America. So you recorded in Peru. I've I recorded a- in Peru. I mean, I had, like, pretty sweet situation. Yeah. Though, I mean, we had I had a tour guide, and we were in the rainforest. And so I had a, I had a lot of, like, I don't know what really tips to give. It's kind of like recording anywhere else. Um, so... Uh, I think that some of the general tips for field, for fee, any field recording just become harder lines in the sand mm-hmm. of do you have batteries? Do you have everything you need? Yeah. Like make sure you have everything and you have backups of everything. And yeah. add on to that. Hard drives. If you are going to a foreign country, make sure that you have the power supplies for that country. Check your plugs. Because you don't want to get there and be like, huh, can't charge anything. These are really good tips. I When I was in Peru, yeah. I did drop my hard drive. Eee. Killed it. Eee. Just yeah. started grinding. Um, but I had been regularly backing up. That's good. So that was smart of me, um, I think. So, so kind of like you take those general tips, um, add on the power supply one. I think that's just like, it's just kind of like goes twice fold all the yeah. things you would normally check for just you really need to check because you're going somewhere else yeah okay now i'm getting more ideas i was and, just thinking about the actual recording yeah, yeah yeah pelican cases are mint yeah um and the other thing the big thing that i would think about checking is uh what are the local laws regarding sound recording yeah. do you need a permit um we were lucky enough to find out here in the lower mainland that you don't need a permit to record in a public park mm-hmm. because there's no video. If we were doing video, we would have had to have a permit. Yeah. Sound, you don't need a permit for. So and that, we didn't look that up. We didn't find that out until a park guy came up to us and was like, hey, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, we're re- recording sounds. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, okay, it's fine. If you were recording video, I would have had to make you stop. But Also, is that a C414? Yeah. <laughs> You're using a C414 for recording footsteps? Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. Um, so check what the local laws are and whether you need permits or anything. Because yeah. there's nothing like, hey, I went I went all the way to Europe and got shut down. Oof. Um, I feel like a lot of places aren't going to be as stringent as Vancouver because we are a film city. Right. A but, lot of places will be like, yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah. But it's good to check out because you never know, Definitely. like, for somebody who would be coming to Vancouver to do sound. Oof. Right? Check it out because they, you know, everyone's very aware because of the film industry here of like mm-hmm. stuff. So we can make money off of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so those are those are my tips. Just make sure you got everything. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh Nate. Uh oh, this is a good one. Isk. Nate Isk. How do you go about managing multiple games without having one specific title consume you consume all of your time? How far do you plan ahead? Uh, pretty far. Like you plan, you plan ahead by. I I generally just say like this day is for this game, this day is for. I just alternate. Yeah. So I tried. It would like it would be nice if I could. Well, also now hiring people that helped. Right. So we can be like set up our own schedules within it. I mean, I'm crap at scheduling. I'm yeah. very bad, but I have been like for the new Cellar Doors game game. We've been very rigid about. These two tracks are due these day, this yep. day. 
And so I, I have that deadline, I, and I've blocked that out on my Google Calendar that I'm mm-hmm. working those days to hit that. And then same for Viking Squad. I'm doing almost exclusively music and music implementation these days. Yeah. But so, yeah, you just schedule it out. and they'll, it, But it takes a while because you get optimistic about how fast you are. So you have to over-schedule. <laughs> you yeah. definitely have to over-schedule. Um, and especially since I'm running the business and doing all these yeah, emails. Yeah, you've got a bunch of overhead. And I'm moving in two days. And, yeah. And, like, I, there's a lot of the time I don't get actual hands-on until after lunch. Mm-hmm. So I have to factor all that in. If I was yeah. just doing content creation all the time, I'd be going twice as fast. Yeah. So. When, when I was the only guy at Clay and I was working on multiple games at one time, I did the same sort of thing you're talking about of Monday is this game, mm-hmm. Tuesday. I had like, I think I was doing four games. No, maybe I was doing five at one point. Anyways, at one point, I think I had four days devoted to individual games, and then Friday was the catch-all, what is, who <clears throat> needs some extra help this week? And it was just very rigid. A spillage day. Yeah. yeah. And I got to be like, no, don't talk to me today. You get Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not even done. I'm not going to talk to you. So it it requires you laying some like lines in the sand. It requires you to make a schedule and be like, no, this is what you get. Mm-hmm. This is what I have figured out how much you need. And then that's what you get. And I'm just not letting you steal time from somebody else. Yeah. Especially when, like, internally it was easier to be like, oh, like, just go over to the other team and go, I'm sorry, like, they really need something, so mm-hmm. you're getting the short end of the stick this week because, you know, they're shipping something, so, and it would be understanding. Yeah, and, uh, but, and with, with, but if you're independent. With multiple clients, yeah. you have to be, it has to be clear, like, you can't be like, I'm not working on your game because I'm working on someone else's game. And that doesn't fly. It has to be clear from the outset that you're working on multiple projects. Yeah. Right? You can't pretend that, you're their full-time person. Totally. Um, you have to unless set, you are. You have to set the expectation of them. Yeah. And if you're, I think if, if you're like right from the get-go, hey, Mondays and Tuesdays are your day. Yeah. Right? Like till the end of the project, you know, five months down the line, Mondays and Tuesdays is yours. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, okay, that's that's when we get audio. Yeah. Um. So that's just kind of, you got to be. That would be a better way of doing things ass. than I'm doing them. <laughs> um, and as far as planning ahead, I mean, yeah, you plan as far as you plan as far ahead as you possibly can, and, and you always leave always room to change that. Yeah, because no, every plan I've ever made has always gotten thrown out the window because dates have always changed. Dates have never stayed where they were. No. So, actually, um, Fossil Echo did. It, we've shipped exactly when we were supposed well, to. Well, that's yeah. cool. So give your give yourself room in your plans to like. I think it's good to be like, you know, maybe it's once a month you look back over your your schedule mm-hmm. and the plans and like, re, you know, touch base with everybody. Are we still on track? Has anything moved? And just adjust. Mm-hmm. Adjust accordingly. Uh, Thomas asked, um, we're going to breeze through this question. Okay. Um, just he, he said he would love to hear the thoughts on VR audio tools, workflows, do's and don'ts. Uh, episode, I think it's 17. Yeah, we did a whole episode on it. Whole episode, and so. not much has changed. Yeah. 3Deception got purchased by Facebook. Right. So that's something to keep your ear to the ground regarding. Yeah. Um, I got to talk to Varun and Abesh about that. Specifically, I'm not quite sure what's going on yet. Yeah. So go listen to the old episode. Mm-hmm. Know that 3Deception got bought by Facebook. Yep. 
Uh, Jay, Jay Fernandez asked, um, how, what are the biggest mistakes you see or hear in game audio currently, and what should games stop doing audio-wise? Interruptive dialogue. Oh, my God. Yeah. Some games are doing it all right. Naughty Dog's knocking it out of the park. Naughty Dog is doing it great. Mm-hmm. Oxenfree did it great. Oxenfree did it dynamically and yep. great, which was yep. very impressive. And it kind of seemed easy. It's just like let, like let people get interrupted. Yeah. Whereas I don't like, I I can name big games and not get in too much trouble. Hmm. But like there were there have been a lot of AAA huge AAA titles. Bioware is pretty infamous for it. Yeah. Where it's just. You can read the, like, I often have the text on because I want to see what the NPCs are saying and stuff. Yeah. Um, you can see the line, dot, 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 and then you hear the dot, dot, dot because somebody <laughs> is interrupting them. Yeah. That's just not how speech works. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a systems thing. Like, it's probably a more complex problem within the AAA engines than I am alluding to right now. Mm-hmm. But if I'm, I feel like if Oxen, Oxenfree can interrupt with, like, a button push and have it sound totally natural, yeah. then... Like, it should be easier to deal with. It's very, and but it can be addressed early, early, early on by scheduling actors at the same time and having them actually act with each other. Yeah. Or else, or else having them perform more lines than are going to be said and mm-hmm. actually interrupting those lines. Yeah. So, yeah. interruptive dialogue drives me crazy. That's cool. Um, For me, I think the thing that bugs me since I'm going with what off a year that bugs you, mm-hmm. um, the lack of a, obstruction and occlusion in a lot oh, of in, yes. in indie games it's it's always more prevalent. In, and I know from talking with our programmers about getting it done for one of our games right now mm-hmm. that on an indie level, yes, we do not have the programming resources to make a really cool obstruction system. No, uh, but there is still like cheap. Fakey kind of there things are that are still to fake it. still better than the nothing that lots well, of people the, are doing. The COD talk at Audio Bash, yeah, that got my brain going big time. Mm-hmm. So he's saying um, that they would have an they had an inclusion system, which was just a filter. It's yep. not it's not like doing ray tracing, but basically a level would be like they would, it would be paneled out. Yeah. I think he just had a simple hallway explanation, but I'm sure they were using it in more complicated senses. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, I remember this. Where, stuff. like, your character's in a locker, and basically everything is just their quadrants. The whole mm-hmm. level is a grid. And you can just label the grids as in, like, this square can hear all these squares, yeah. but is occluded, like, but these squares are occluded. Yeah. So if you take a, like, take a checkerboard and you stick a banana in the middle, yeah, then you just color all the ones I guess like pick a square yeah and just draw lines and think and color all the lines that you can see what that or that you're uh, this is awful I'm gonna start the whole analogy again <laughs> so I'm thinking if you take if you take a piece of graph paper mm-hmm. and you make a square in it and then um, you drop a pencil down yep on it and then you color in one square, and that's your character. Yeah. And then you take a lure, ruler and you just sort of draw lines to what would be what that character can hear yeah. and color them in and decide which ones are occluded by the pencil and which ones are not. Yeah. And you could basically just have to do that programmatically yeah. with every single square in there because it is just, it's a binary question. Yeah. Like, is this square occluded when 
the character is in the square, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. And you can make the squares really small, you can make them really big. Yeah. And then it's a binary question, and it's not sending out ray tracers. Yeah. It's not sending out like all this all this data to get this information. It's like baked in information. Yeah. So it can be done. You can do occlusion in your little game. Yeah. Um, you just and two part of it, I think you have to just commit to it and put put yep. a little bit of resources in it. There's two. There's there's stuff in the Unity store that'll help out with that. Mm-hmm. I believe there's some plugins that'll handle stuff if you want to get a little more complex and and things. So, yeah. um, like one of the things we're doing too is while we're figuring out, like, okay, we're figuring out how do we do it? How do we do it cheaply? Um, and one of the things I realized was like, well, not everything needs it. So yeah. you can also like, oh, this is expensive to do. Mm-hmm. Well, just cull a whole bunch of stuff that you're like, no, that's that's a bunch of stuff that like you need to stand next to it to hear it. Yeah. So let's never bother calculating anything on that because you're only going to hear it if you're standing next to it. Yeah. Or what's the game design like? Like we didn't. I wanted to do it, but we haven't bothered with occlusion yet in Fantastic Contraption because you never don't need to hear what's behind you if it's behind a wall. Yeah. Like, it's not important to gameplay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't know what we... Sh- we should stop doing audio-wise. I'm, like, have been sick of the um, heartbeat for low health for a million years. Oh, I would love to yeah. see somebody do something new for that. Mm-hmm. That's just a pet peeve of like, really? We're- I'm sick of pigs for monster sounds. <laughs> or like, you know, barely processed pigs. Like, yeah. I just, I watched a movie the other day. Some, some vampire movie. Yeah. And it was like, all the vampires were doing the same pig squeal all the time. Yeah. And it's like, come on guys. Right. Um, okay. Alex. Alex said uh, from Twitter, uh, if you had the luxury to choose, is it better to wait for animations or to jump in on creating assets and sync later? I prefer to wait for animations, but you often don't have that luxury. And you but you don't care. I if you know how many syllables are in the animation. Um I I like to if I can. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we, l- most of the time we do not have the luxury of just like waiting. Yeah. Um, if I can, I will wait for an animation to be done. Um, but I don't. I don't work from videos. Rarely work from videos, so mm-hmm. I'm still s- just spotting an animation. Um, so in that case, I'm just breaking it up into a lot of events and being like, okay, I can make all these little things. Yeah. I kind of know how long they should be. Good. Um, and then I sync it in the engine. Yeah. I would say we actually almost always work from videos. A lot of the th- a lot of the time, things are already in the game. So right. yeah, I do wait. We wait for animations almost very, I'm, very consistently. I'm lucky in that I can, I feel like I can work without video because I can sit down with an animator yeah. in-house, look it through, go back to my desk, and if I have a question, I can go right back to the animator and go, hey, can you show that to me again? And then he's like, it's not your day, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I will wait when I can, but I have also started creating lots of stuff without any animation being done, just being like, hey, there's the concept of the creature. All right, I know that the creature is going to do X, Y, and Z. These are all the events it's going to need. Mm-hmm. I can start making this like yeah. right now. And then maybe it'll need a little bit of tightening up or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I mean, it's it's sometimes nice if you can make a sound and then sort of lead the charge where 
you make a sound and then give it to the animators and go, hey, uh, we were making a machine. It's supposed to do this chunky chunky thing. Mm -hmm. So I made a chunky chunky thing. Please make the animation the timing to my chunky chunky sound. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So you know, sometimes sometimes you can you can lead the way. Yep. Um, and if you're using reflexive audio, then maybe it can even drive the animations. Yeah, totally. Themselves. Uh, okay. Juan said, um, last question. Last question. Uh, if you could take a nice recording rig into an anatoic chamber for one hour, what would you record? You have the theoretical largest anatoic chamber to fit anything that you want in it with a recording rig. Bird flaps. Bird flaps. Bird flaps and my body. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get some bird flaps. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't know. Because there's so much that is becomes even if when you strip try to strip out the ver the verb and everything like that's part of the thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like oh gunshots gunshots would probably be really boring in an anecdotic chamber. Yeah, claps hand claps. <laughs> oh my god. Even in my booth, it's like um, whooshes might be interesting. Yeah, they could be fun. You know, non transient sounds, right? Because yeah. transient sounds are the ones that really rely on this environment. Right. So anything non-transient could be really yeah. good to just be able to crank the game. game there on. might be some cool, like, machines, things that you would want to loop. Mm -hmm. Might be cool. Super high-frequency sounds. Yeah. Uh, like, get if you could get your hands on a Senken. Yeah. Senken 100K and, or C100K and get some super high-frequency sounds that are inaudible otherwise. So whoosh because one some of bats the, around. Because one of the problems with high-frequency sounds is that the reverb can be greatly pronounced. Right. Like, if you're dropping something four octaves, yeah. then your your mouth is, like, the size of a room. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So your mouth has reverb. It's um, really weird. So we're going to whoosh some bats. We'll whoosh some bats. We'll tie some bats to, <laughs> to string and swing them around. Pitch it down. See, I wasn't going to say that I would actually tie them to string. I'll let, let you say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note... <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, plugs? Plugs? Yeah, do we have plugs? Uh you're still doing um consultations? I'm still doing coaching consultations. Uh hit okay. me up on my website or on Twitter, or whatever. There's links to that by donation. I've uh, been helping a couple of people out. It's been really cool. Cool. Uh I have been guesting in the chat on Kevin Regami's uh, right. Power Up Thursday Twitch chats whenever I can when we do real talk. Real talk, two E's in the real. Pretty yeah. clever hey. name. Um, where we go over people's websites and reels mm -hmm. and give advice and get people give people advice to change things so they can hopefully get more jobs. Congra so. Congratulations, Barney, on asking a question on being very uh, uh, positively louded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Barney's, Barney was on Real Talk. On Real Talk. They really liked uh, your So Matt, Matt Straight Talk guests <laughs> on Kevin's Real Talk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that's going on. Uh, should be, yeah. Most yeah. most times he does that, I'm there. Um, One day we're going to do it in person together. We're figuring yeah. that out. Yeah, I want to pop in. That's, that's tomorrow, huh? Yep. I'd, I'd love to pop in on chat for one of those, except I'm going to be freaking out till the end of the month. So be harder than <laughs> I'd like. <laughs> uh, we won an award. You did. That's our. That's my thing. Yeah, Fossil Echo won Fossil Best Echo. Audio. Best, best Game Audio at Casual Connect. That's pretty awesome. U USA. In San Francisco last week. That was really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what else? 
It's still out. You can still buy it. Fossil you Echo, you can sure buy it. Oh, uh, we announced Oklos's release date yeah. today. Uh, August 18th. It's August out. 18th. It's done. Four the... years it took. Nice. Not me, four years, but almost <laughs> three years. I've been on, yep. my, on it for uh, maybe over three years. I wow. can't remember. It's been a long, long haul, that game. That is a long time. So what happens when you start with a concept that has really only been done by one other game? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Swarm mechanics, not yeah. fun. Yeah, I got. I think that's. I guess I want to mention one one last thing, because um, I'm going through some heavy pet stuff at the moment. Right. Uh, take the time to get out from underneath game audio, and like, there's a lot out there that you can be doing. Like, don't just live one thing. Don't like. Don't make game audio your only thing in your life like get out and you know live other things and have other interests and love your friends and pets and everything yeah i'd like to have a hobby again yeah eventually and that's it see ya talk to you next month